name is Holland. I am the campus pastor for our very first campus in Otis, and I just want to say thanks for being here this morning. And I'm Brad Pesnell. I have been a community pastor, but will be leading uh, the charge out to do a Freeman campus uh, here probably in February or March is yeah. what it's looking like. So. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Awesome. So, but you get to go first today. I do get to go first. Yep. Right. I'm the guinea pig. Always as usual. Is. Here I am. Always is. Thanks for that, Brad. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Get off the stage. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Hey, again, I'm so glad you're here. And like I said, I am the campus pastor over in Otis Orchards, and I just want to thank you guys for coming. And um, what I want to just share with you guys today is really what I've seen in the last 10 months God do through the Otis campus and what I believe he's going to do in Bar or at uh, Freeman as well. And so my family and I, we believe we're called to Otis. We've been there for almost 12 years now. And this October, we celebrate our one-year birthday as a campus in Otis. Woo! Right? So... We're going to continue our, uh, our series that we're in, I Love My Church. And so last week we got to hear from Dan. He's our lead pastor. And he talked about relational discipleship and how important that is, especially for us here that believes that we should be and make disciples. Next week we get to hear from Trevor and Joe from our Kidmen department as they talk about why Kidmen is so important here. And so this week you're stuck with Brad and I, so buckle up. Um, and so... What I believe that God is doing through VRL, through this vision of campuses, it really is exemplified in Scripture, I believe, in Acts 1 through 8. So that's where we're going to be this morning. So uh, join along with me. If you have your Bibles, open up to Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then the book of Acts. If you, uh, if you don't have a Bible, we got free ones in the back. Grab it on your way out. If you have it on your smartphone, pull that up on your app. And uh, that's where we're going to be going. But before we get there, I want to give you a little backstory of how we get to Acts 1-8. And we have... This guy named Jesus that picks 12 ordinary guys and he says, hey, come and follow me for three years. And he teaches them this principle of relational discipleship and they do life together and they're walking and teaching and doing all these things. And, and throughout the course of these three years, they get to this place where they're like, man, maybe this guy really is the Messiah. Maybe he is the king and he's going to restore Israel. But then something unexpected happens. Just as they're all fired up, Jesus gets arrested and he gets tried and convicted and crucified, and they watch him die on the cross, and they see him buried. But thankfully for them and for us, that's not the end of the story. See, three days later, Jesus rose from that grave, and he, he presented himself to his disciples and many others. And so when we're at this point in Scripture, this is the last time the disciples are going to see Jesus. And this is where I believe he's He's giving his church the marching orders of this is what it's going to look like as I expand my kingdom. And track with me here because this is what I believe we're seeing God do right here at VRL. So if you would, follow along with me. Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What I love about this is Jesus doesn't waste any time cutting right to the heart. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the truth is for us, guys, we can be witnessing 
in wherever God's planted us, we can be trying to do all these things for Jesus. But if we are not doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit, it is simply that. It is powerless. And so I love how John explains really of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives in chapter 14, verse 26, when he says this, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything that I, and I will remind you and teach you everything that I have told you. We are to be witnesses. And he says, you will be my witnesses. And this is a command from Jesus. This isn't just a, hey, you know what you guys feel like when you leave here? Just go about. That's a command. And what I love about that is that this is where we really get to see, we get to, we get to witness what God's doing in our own lives. People get to see that. They get to see the past. They get to see the now. And I love that that's what Jesus gives us. We get to see the ordinary in our lives become the extraordinary. And so Jesus goes on to say, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as we look at these ordinary men that Jesus uses to start and expand his kingdom, I wonder, can any of you relate as I share who these guys are? You know, Jesus starts with a guy named James. Now, James is Jesus' brother. And believe it or not, James doesn't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And it's not until he meets the risen Christ that he believes that, wait, wait a minute, my brother is the Messiah. And not only that, Jesus, he becomes the first pastor in Jerusalem. And so I wonder for us today, have we, maybe we, we've known Jesus our whole life. Maybe we were raised in church our whole lives, but maybe we just haven't experienced the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives. I wonder if that's for some of us today. And for Peter, oh man, I, this is my guy, because he's constantly running ahead of the Lord. He even denies him three times. And I wonder how many of us suffer from that today. And then we get Philip. And this is, I love this guy because he is so sold out that he is on mission. He's willing to go anywhere the spirit takes him. He's even willing to be teleported. I mean, I mean, come on. If you're a sci-fi guy, read the Bible. It's in there. I'm just saying. And then we get Paul, who was once Saul, who was a persecutor of the church. He was delivering up Christians to be killed. But then he meets the risen Savior on the road to Damascus, and his life is radically changed. And he becomes what I believe is the greatest missionary and church planner in church history. And so again, can you relate? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Adam's suggestion in week two, mainly because he's bigger than me, and I, I think he can take me. And, uh, and so I'm going to share my story. And as I share my story, I want to see if, of how I relate to this. You see, 13 years ago, I was Saul. I was a persecutor of the church. I, uh, I was invited by an employee to this little church in a high school called Valley Real Life. And I went out of obligation. And I'll tell you what, I couldn't wait to get out of there. Because to be honest with you, I didn't really like church and I didn't really care for the people in them. But what's amazing is God started to do something in my life. And he started sending people into my life to speak truth to me, like my Aunt Julie and others. And he finally sent this pastor and his wife, which Brad will share, I, I didn't think was very fair at the time, to speak truth to me. And they started loving on me regardless if I even believed in this Jesus. And I'll never forget this conversation we had as I said, what is it about church? What, what is it? And he says, Holland, this is what it is. You surrender your life to Christ. You get involved in your local church, serve in that church, serve in your community, and make a difference. 
And that's exactly what we did. My wife and I immediately, man, we gave, well, I guess a couple years later, we gave our lives to Christ, and he did exactly what he did to Saul for me. He radically changed my life. And, and from that moment on, my family and I, we've been sold out for the mission of Christ, just like Philip. We've been willing to go wherever he's called us. And we're, we're continuing wherever the Spirit leads. But unfortunately, guys, I've been Peter. Too many times I've walked ahead of the Lord. But what I hope encourages you and encourages me is so many times God has stopped and he's corrected me and he's gently redirected me back to his mission. In 10 years now, we celebrate of investing in our community, like this pastor told me, by volunteering and eventually leading a multi-church community VBS program, where this last year we had over 40 volunteers witnessing to over 150 students, some of them hearing Jesus for the first time. Right? Thank you. And finally, this is who I relate to the most, because the brother of Jesus didn't believe who he was. I didn't believe who he was. I'd heard about this guy. But James's life was radically changed, and he became the pastor to the first church in Jerusalem, just as my life was radically changed. And I became the first pastor of VRL and Otis. Isn't God amazing? Right? So the question is for you guys, how does this apply to you today? How does my ordinary become God's extraordinary? And I think there's three ways that we can figure that out. And first, God has intentionally placed each and every one of you in your neighborhoods, in your schools, and in your jobs. He's given you influence, and he's given you the ability and witness right where you're at. And what's amazing about that, and what I don't want us to miss, Dan hit this piece of relational discipleship last week, and that's why it's so important, because it's in relationship. People get to see what God's doing in our lives. He gets to see the transparent moments when we're failing and when God's carrying us and sustaining us. And so it's the witness of the gospel that is so powerful. The second point is regardless of where we're planted, we need to be on mission for Jesus. Whether that's right here at Barker, whether that's in Otis, Timbuktu, it doesn't matter. We need to be on mission. And the third thing is, is the early church expanded and we must too. Man, people still need to hear about Jesus and they need his resurrected power, amen? And so again, How does the ordinary become extraordinary? By understanding that God has intentionally placed you where he has, and regardless of where that is, be on mission for him and know that we need to expand his kingdom. And so um, I believe it's through this vision of our campuses right here at VRL that God's going to accomplish this model we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So what has God done in not even a year in Otis? And this is why I love my church Because in the last 10 months, we've seen 10 baptisms. We've seen people give their lives to Christ. We've we've launched community groups, men's groups, women's groups, Bible studies, rooted groups have been at the Otis campus. We have uh, seen lives changed by Stephen ministry. We're working right now on the foundation of what it looks like to offer Celebrate Recovery to the Otis community who desperately needs it. And so we're seeing God do amazing things. Not only that, but we have built an amazing relationship with the Otis Elementary School, which for the first time in its history, 
presented an award to a church in his community for being an outstanding partner. Here's that award right here. This is what God's doing, right? Can we celebrate that? Amen. So besides that, we've helped with multiple serve projects. We've helped uh, feed and give Christmas gifts to over 30 families during the holidays and spring break. We've uh, provided hats and gloves to kids in need. We began mentoring students, and I myself mentored a sixth grader this last year. And man, the impact that it had in my life was so much greater than in that young man as I watched him grow. And we partnered with a parent-teacher organization to help meet fundraiser needs with volunteers and supplies. And we've provided much-needed sports equipment. Here's what's really incredible, though. We've had, a teach, we've had several teachers that are attending our campus now. And they're not just attending, but they're serving. And they're going back to the school. And they're being involved. And they're praying. And they're being a witness. And here's what I want to see is we're going to see a video here in a minute. And what I want you to see is that this is what the power of extending out beyond and being uncomfortable can have in the impact in the life of a teacher in Otis. Watch the screen with me, please. I'd been working another job and I just really wanted to get into the school system and wasn't sure how. And this position opened up over at Otis and I applied for it and really honestly wasn't sure I was gonna do it, but it literally was a God thing because um, God just brought me to the school and a job I absolutely love. The longer I was here, the more I saw the, the need. The, the community just wants somebody to say we care about you. People from VRL started coming in and um, just really coming alongside our school and saying, what can we do for you? How can we help you? Um, we care. A friend of mine had been looking for a, um, a, a new church home for a while. and. I said, hey, you know, uh, VRL has got a church across the street. Would you like to go with me? And we walked in the door and we've never left. I knew this is where I belonged. I love the mission of the, you know, what we stand for, reaching out into our community, um, not staying put in the building. It was a breath of fresh air, how they reached out into our school and um, just took us under their wing and blessed us in so many ways meeting needs, giving us, bringing in meals, feeding us, and just, it was just beyond words. And the activities that are done through here at the church, no strings attached type of thing, you know. Come and bounce in the bouncy house, get a hot dog, watch a movie. I have a couple of men that have come that are, that go to VRL here at Otis, and they are mentoring to a couple of boys over there. and. It's amazing to see the transformation of those boys, just to see a man that says, I love you and I care for you just like you are. You know, they have totally changed in, in, their, in everything. And how Holland and Dana have reached out to other churches in this community and brought us all, brought us all together to minister to the community. The kids I work with at school that I see, are they're amazing little human beings but they just need people to say, hey, we care. And that's what VRL does. Amen, right? You see, Cindy is just one example of what that looks like in our communities. And I hope you caught this piece, that she invited her friend, and her friend is still there today, and that's what it's about. We need to invite people to come with us. 
And so, most importantly, we've seen a community of believers from Green Acres, from Otis, from Liberty Lake and the surrounding area. We've seen them come together and love on each other. We've seen them serve, and we've... And it's been amazing to watch. And so, here's what I want to say. Who knows? Maybe here today, maybe somebody here is just like I was 13 years ago. Didn't want to be here, but I came out of obligation. And if that's you, my my hope and prayer is that God is going to radically change your life as he did mine. And who knows? Someday, You might be standing on this stage, or better yet, one of our future campuses down the road. So look out, telling you. And for Barker, this is ordinary. This is comfortable for you guys. Maybe God wants to do the extraordinary through you guys as he's given us this mission of what it looks like to expand his kingdom through campuses. And I've gotten permission, so I'm going to take it. If you want to come to Otis... Come to Otis if you want to check it out. If you want to go to Freeman, go to Freeman with my brother Brad. Right? Don't. Wait. If you feel God calling you, pray about it. Follow where he leads. So I'm going to invite my brother Brad up here, and I just want to say thanks for joining in this with us. We love you. Thank you. Don't you love that guy? It's awesome. Thanks, Holland. Man, I tell you... Like, I want to connect the dots between Holland and I. So 13 years ago, as Holland was sitting in Valley Real Life, meeting at CV High School, uh, his heart hadn't been changed yet. I was working at a summer camp in Texas, had a really wonderful life, uh, very happy. But in that moment, I felt that God was calling me to come to Spokane, Washington, to work in a church that was meeting in a school that Holland was sitting in called Valley Real Life. That happened 13 years ago this weekend. So what does it mean to be called? We've been talking about Ryan being called to a church in Nebraska. We've been talking about um, Valley Real Life feels called to plant a church in, uh, or a campus in in Freeman. Uh, We... Brad is called to go to Freeman, like, but I want to kind of stop and kind of break that down a little bit and give you a picture of what that looks like. So I thought for this portion of the message, I uh, wanted to give, give that picture and uh, what it looked like for me to respond uh, to that call away from home in East Texas, away from all my family, and, uh, and come here and now to go to Freeman And what I hope it does for you is to show you that you are also being called to play a significant role in the the story of Valley Real Life. You are. Now, being called only becomes relevant when someone decides to respond. We all feel the relational sacrifices, especially right now. We're feeling the relational sacrifices when someone is obedient. I want to do a little backstory before I dive in. See, I, w- I was a pastor's kid growing up. I've always been in the church. Uh, as I got older, I became a youth pastor. I uh, was living, living in the Dallas area uh, during my college and post-college years. And I was hurt by a few circumstances in the church. Um, started getting a little burned out. 
So I decided I would move to Colorado and pursue a counseling degree. That sounds healthy, right? No, it's, it's terrible. So, so after school, we moved to Coeur d'Alene, and I had backed away from, from serving in the church. And, uh, and I actually really backed away from church altogether and uh, started going to a guy's house, watching the cowboy games. Seems to bring people together. And as I'm sitting there, I, I, um, this friend of mine, he loved to try to disrupt me in my faith. He knew I was a Christian, and he would like to try to ask me questions that would disrupt that. However, where I was in my life, I was in a very raw place, and I was genuinely trying to, to figure out what real belief looked like. And so everything he would ask me, I would wrestle with out loud, and, and I was wrestling with it honestly, to the point to where he began to respect that, and we became fast friends, so we would get together, watch the Cowboy games, sit and talk about life and struggles and God, we really would, and, and uh, that's what we would do, to the point to where my heart actually began to heal as I talked about that. I began to forgive. I began to let go of things, and soon I found myself having the desire to go back to church. And so me and my wife and his wife ended up going to church. And we started getting, like, getting involved. Well, one day I came home from church, and he was annoyed because he, uh, he had to watch the first part of the Cowboy game by himself. And he mutes it because we didn't have DVR. And he looks at me and he says, I need to ask you a question. I'm like, okay. He goes, what, why do you go to church? Like, what do you get there that you don't get right here? And I go, Matt, I just need God. I just need God in my life. And I remember it there. I don't always remember it here. Not long after that, I discovered that my mom was sick. So we ended up moving back to Texas. Um, and uh, I received a phone call from Matt right after getting back. And he began to tell me that, uh, that he had decided to surrender his life to Jesus Christ. So he told me that aside from his wife's continual faithfulness and prayer, that the words that I had said, I just need God, they just kept haunting him. So after reading a book for, called Case for Christ, he surrendered just like Saul became Paul, Matt became Matt King, and... He had started going to church, and some guy named Jim Putman, who was the pastor at a church called Real Life, was helping him learn. What I didn't know when I moved back to Texas was that we were about to face an incredibly difficult season in our lives. Not only were we struggling with infertility, uh, with a lot of failed pregnancies, but we lost a lot of people in our lives in this season. But you know, through that, we were surrounded by people who loved us extremely well through this entire period of time. And because of that, what should have been a horrible season of our lives actually became one of the richest, relationally speaking. We were surrounded by love, and it mattered. For us, camp life was a safe life. Didn't have to deal with the church. I didn't think we would really ever leave it. I learned that a great life does not equate to a comfortable life and 
nor does a comfortable life equate to a great life. During this time, God gave us our daughter, Lily. I like that. That's a whole other story for a different day. As much as I loved working at the camp, I, I really started getting irritated that I wasn't able to go to church more. So especially now that we had a child, I really wanted that, and camp life was a busy life. So Jamie and I, we started talking, and she asked me, what would you want to do if you weren't at the camp? I told her, you know, I think I would want to work in a church again. And she was like, what? <laughs> so I wondered if, uh, if God would really grow transparent relationships in a church. Uh, I had never really experienced that. I didn't want to lose the rich life we ha had, so I was pretty worried. I worried about my dad and my family who was still there. I worried that uh, because we had experienced so much loss. And it was during this time that I came across some words from Jesus that I really began to struggle with. Have you ever, had, have you ever read the Bible and came across one of those sections that just make you uneasy? It was something you have to wrestle with. You know, like there's a difference between wrestling and wrestling. <laughs> wrestling has rules. Wrestling doesn't have any rules. So this was a wrestle passage. So I, I just remember stepping into the ring with this passage. As I told God I would follow him, or whatever he wanted me to do, I would do. And this is what he said. This, then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me now. Let the dead bury their own dead. This was exactly what I needed to hear. I know that sounds really strange, but it was. God was speaking to me through his word, and I can't tell you how much I needed that. Have you ever needed God to just speak to you through his word? You know, he still does that. He still does. It's crazy to say that these strong words made me feel loved by God, but I began to trust him. He was telling me, are you going to follow me? Or not. Matt's faith continued to grow and he began helping other people grow in their faith. This caught Jim's attention and soon Jim began talking to him about starting a church campus. This soon developed into a church plant and after a few years, Matt King approached me about joining his staff at Valley Real Life. I wasn't interested at first, so he called my wife. That's just wrong, right? And then he flew to Texas, and he began to talk to me about um, that, or he, well, he really cheated again because he brought Scott Sparley, and I don't know if you know who Scott Sparley is, but he's one of the community pastors, and you can't say no to Scott Sparley, so that wasn't fair either. But he started talking to me about this vision that he had for a church that was honest and transparent, one that would attract people like him and like me 
met, affected me. So tearfully, I said, yes, let's do it, let's go. And man, so many crazy things began to happen, like, like when we started looking for a house online, I remember Matt, uh, we pulled him over and we said, hey, is this, is this house in a good neighborhood? And, and I remember him looking at me and going, yeah, that's my house. Uh, you want to buy it? And I'm like, yeah. So we ended up buying it sight unseen and moved up here. You know, like after coming to staff, I was really kind of blown away because like we would start every day by playing ping pong. And it felt like camp. And we learned to like each other. It wasn't just a Sunday event for us. We had fun together. We talked deeply. We fought with each other. And then we shared a meal. We didn't hide struggles. And we organized the church in the same way. We started forming care groups. These care groups, like when someone was sick, was sick would beat us to the hospital and then send us away saying, you're not needed. We're taking care of them. They would take care of each other. Remember, a couple would come to our, our group. and I, I remember this couple came to our group before ever going to the church. They stayed in our, our group, came to know Jesus in our group, and ended up going to church after that about a year later. A neighbor who struggled with unbelief began praying, God, if you're real, then prove it to me. And God began to show himself everywhere to the point to where this guy thought we were following him around and tailing him and planting people in his path. And then not long ago when we had a baptism service in here, we had this, make, with this portable baptistry that's over in Otis now. Uh, and every time you climbed in it, it would overflow and made you feel great about yourself, you know, it was like, it was, uh, it, we had 32 people come forward and get baptized that Sunday. Isn't that crazy? Like, and the thing is, is we didn't even have any clothes for them. Like they came in their street clothes, got baptized. One guy got, got baptized in his suit, you know, and we, everybody went home wet that Sunday. It was amazing. Since then, we've had 1,997 people get baptized in this church. Crazy. More than anything, I see God making more and more disciple makers. We're a church on mission, not just creating relational environments, but letting relationships be intentional and connect and grow people in their faith. Jim Putman says a relational environment is the vehicle we travel to get to the destination. A church is successful when everyone is in the, in the church is in the game, maturing into disciples who can re reproduce other disciples. The purpose of the church has been and should always be to make disciples of Jesus. So as we move into the, the Freeman community, we cannot forget the path that got us here. Relationships, they're key. Every church member serving and involved, all of our people connected with one another in small groups for the purpose of learning how to disciple other people. Guys, I feel honored to have been a part of watching this church grow and develop. 
I feel even more honored to watch with all of you, like Otis, grow and develop. And now I feel even more honored that I get to go into this Freeman community and see the mission of Jesus expand into a new community. We'll be starting our Freeman community at 11 a.m. in C1 in October here in our Valley Real Life campus, and then we'll move out there in February or March. Meanwhile, we're developing groups in the Freeman community that I visited one the other day, and it felt like back in the day, man, like everyone couldn't wait to multiply because it meant the mission was moving forward. It just lit me on fire when I went to it. We have a growing number of families willing to leave the comfort of our established church community and commit to the hard work of building a new spiritual community. This is our Samaria. I hope you get involved and you experience the joy of looking back and telling the stories of this new campus. Being comfortable is our enemy. I'm wondering if you'll help us. If you'll get uncomfortable, if you'll shed the excuses and follow Jesus wherever he leads you. See, God is creating new pathways for the gospel through us as we follow him. In this verse, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. I find myself encouraged by this, knowing that God will get behind whatever he loves, and he loves his church. My wife Dee and I have graduated from Freeman years ago, and our kids have graduated from Freeman. So we have ties to this community that go way back. And we have a lot of people we know out here that we love and are excited to see Valley Real Life going for a Freeman campus. I'd like to see a spiritual impact out here in the Freeman Valley, Ford, Micah, Rockford area. And yet it takes a church like VRL to really make it happen. And we are so excited because we've seen VRL in action. We see so many good things and it just gives us enthusiasm for what's going to be taking place. And I'm already excited about how many people I know that I want to invite to come and check us out and see what, why VRL is different. A church that shares the good news, makes it easy to understand the Bible. All this community is going to feel uh, the impact right away, I believe. I graduated from Freeman in 1967, so I'm an old timer. And back then it was a fairly new school, only about 10 years old. But boy, has it grown and bigger today. It's hard to explain when you, when you feel the whole community is part of your family, how much you want to see the Lord's work take place and uh, reaching lives. Many, many people live out here that maybe would call themselves Christians but aren't attending church. That's not gonna happen very long, I don't think now, because they're gonna hear about Valley Real Life and they're gonna hear about powerful preaching and teaching uh, and uh, uh, so many gifted people that are part of that ministry. And if you look around, this is farm ground out here, you see the so much harvest ready to come in. And on top of that, we're gonna have a harvest through Valley Real Life of people 
coming to Jesus, trusting in Him as Lord and Savior, and then learning from all that Valley Real Life teaches, how to apply it to their life and have a powerful impact in their own lives and their family and their whole community. I'm so excited to just be a part of the beginning of this church start. I've never had a chance like this before, and so I'm looking forward to it. Rich gets it, man. He sees the special thing that's happening right here, man, and he wants to be a part of it. I'm super excited. I want to end with a story. Uh, last November, I had a chance to go with Steve and the team to China to go, uh, go visit some missionaries, and I met this guy. I'm going to call him Elias. He, is, uh, an, he was an amazing man that just gave you a picture of what the Apostle Paul might have been like. He was an Ethiopian missionary that was living in China and just full of passion. I, I talked to him, and after meeting him, I said, I said, Elias, you've got to come talk to our church sometime. And he goes, Brad, how big is your church? I go, oh, he's... It's, it's probably about 2,500 people. He's like, 2,500 people? Oh, my goodness, Brad, 2,500 people. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, how old is your church? I'm like, oh, it's about 15 years old. 15 years? Oh, my goodness, Brad, 15 years? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I was like, you should come talk to us. And he goes, if I was talking to your church, do you know what I would say? I'd like, no, what would you say? He's like, 2,500 people, 15 years, why are you all still here? Go, go. You look like I looked. It's powerful when someone challenges you. Feels good though, feels good. Let's pray. Man, Father, thank you so much. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for the new places you're taking us. God, that we're a church that is active, that's alive. God, we are your church. And God, we, we just thank you so much for letting us be a part of it. God, we look forward to what you want to do in people's lives. And God, we pray all of this in Jesus' name.